us in our time of need. There's never a time that we don't need you, Lord. We may not be aware of it, but we need you every minute, every hour of every day. So we thank you, Lord, for access to your throne room, that we're not limited to a different time, a day or year or month or anything like that, that we can come into your presence. But we have continual access any time that we desire it. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that every gift requires a sacrifice. Amen. Every gift requires a sacrifice. I know many times people think that because God has blessed them with abilities and uh, so many things that we can, things you're aware of and sometimes things you're not even aware of, uh, he, he has not left anybody without anything. You got me? Everybody is gifted by God uh, because the Bible says your gift makes room for you. So you need to have doors open for you in the earth. You need to have a means to take care of yourself. You need to have uh, ability to get an income, to bless and prosper. But more than anything, your gift is given to you uh, because it is to be a blessing to humanity. That's why gifts are given. See, if it were just for you, God wouldn't gift you with anything because you can go out and make your own way. But the things that we don't ask for, the things that are just a part of us from the time we're born, and sometimes we're aware of it when we're really small, sometimes we're unaware of it. Oftentimes we're not aware of 90% of what we have inside of us until we get born again and get get an understanding of what God does. Uh, many times, uh, even I would say even with people who have uh, ministry gifts, they're fairly clearly clearly outlined in the Bible. You know, you get a, a pretty good description uh, if you're called as a pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, so forth and so on. You've got a, a job description right there in the Word of God. Then you've got evidence that that gift is there by people who have gone before you who have the same gift. And so, but even with that, there are different nuances to those gifts that are yet to be discovered by you personally. You understand? So then your life in Christ becomes an adventure that opens up to you if you qualify. And your qualification is, are you up to making the sacrifice that it takes to get your gift developed the way God wants it developed? God wants us to max out on everything he's given us. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So there's a place for accountability for what God has endowed us with. And he wants all of his people to give an account for how you spent your life, how you spent your days, how you spent your time, how you spent your resources. I put this gift in you to bless your generation at your time when you were here on earth. And how did you manage it? Were you a good steward? Were you a great steward? Did you even know what you had? Did you bother to find out? So we really can't blame anybody on the day of accounting 
for anything that we were deficient in while we walked this earth. We have to give a full accounting for it because of what God has has placed in us and the purpose to which he it is called in this earth. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding, I think, among God's people. When people understand they have a gift, somehow, let me tell you where the word of God, I would say the activities of God on the human soul and the human spirit. When God speaks something to you, it makes you feel like you're the only person in the world that he's ever, it's like, Oh, I'm so special. Um, yes, and it's supposed to be like that because you are. But <laughs> the thing we're not aware of sometimes, you ain't the only one. Huh? But he doesn't want us to be so much aware of other people when he is ministering to us. Because what God wants to do is bring us into this place of understanding more than anything how he feels toward us. So you're going to feel like you're special when God points out something, some, something that you have no control over, you have no, you can't take any credit for. It just came. And, and you didn't order it, you didn't ask for it, any of that stuff. And so, you feel special in that you think, well, God, you thought so much of me to call me to do this or to allow me to participate in this or however we feel about it. Truth of the matter is he's called all of his children to preach the gospel. Amen. And to change humanity, to change lives, to change our own lives, to change the lives of family members, strangers, whomever. But it it. Because God's essence is on it, there's a specialness about it where it does make you feel important. And it does make you feel singled out. And it does make you feel like you're the only one. I'm the only one who's ever found out they were, you know. <laughs> How do the rest of the little peons in the world make it if they're, you know, and then you find the rest of the little peons got yours and then some, you know. And so, but never, never lose that specialness, but don't let it get in the flesh either. You see, cause if you, if you let that start to feed your flesh, then you'll wind up losing the God essence of it and the God specialness. It's like there's something now that you and God have in common that gives you a relationship. It, it, it does something that brings you closer to Him. Makes you feel more relatable to him. Just the knowledge of having a gift that God has placed on the inside of you and you didn't order it. You didn't have to fight for it. You don't have to prove to everybody who you are about it. You know what I'm saying. You, there's, there's something there. You, you take that with you like that. And so I think that's the impression. That's a good impression to have about your gift because it is something that even though he gives everybody something, yours is special because it came to you from God. And you know God gave it to you. You don't understand it. You don't know where you're going with it. But you do know that you you consider yourself singled out and special and important 
because God gave it to you. And so that's that's the important thing about a gift. It it always has that uh kind of like uh reaction in the in the individual uh toward it because uh it, it's something it's like wow god we me and you we got a secret we we know what's going on on the inside of me and it draws you closer to him i don't see how it couldn't even even the gift the gift that of salvation that draws us close and then when you get the gift of tongues the holy ghost begins to to speak through you and then the first time you one of the gifts of the spirit shows up when you when you pray for somebody let me tell you a little secret about operating in the gifts. Well, it might not be a secret. Y'all might know it or you might not. But but they operate more freely if you're not trying. See, if you're not trying to have a God told me to tell you this situation, you'll get one. And, and to be honest with you, you won't even want to broadcast it that God told me because it, what it does is it humbles you. To the point where you say, well, I believe it's God. I think it's God. I'm going to take a chance and tell him. And, and then you begin to pray for him or something like that. And, and the word comes out. And you notice that there's a different feeling on it coming out of you than your normal prayer. You understand what I'm saying? And so the less you try and let go of it and say, God, I don't even know how to help this person. You give me the words to say. I'm just going to open my mouth and start praying in tongues and start saying what you tell me to say. Or if you know the problem, start speaking the word over them. And, Father, I thank you that by your stripes so-and-so is healed. And I thank you for taking it now in Jesus' name. You know, and you just move on with the spirit of God. You got me? And and so the gifts of the spirit will operate more pure, uh, more frequently, more reliably, if you don't try so hard to make it something you can take ownership of i guess you know it like i'm here now anybody need a prophecy <laughs> the prophet the prophet is in out way out far out not in you understand what i'm saying and so and and it'll get in your flesh a little bit but when you get between you and God, you thank him and say, God, I give you back the glory for this. Uh, and I don't help me not to try and get worked up and take credit for it. It's a wonderful thing that God gives us access to his mind and to his power to help people. The more you want to help people, the more the gifts of the spirit will flow through you. Man. And when they start flowing, don't let your mind trap it and say, ooh, look what I got. Look what I know. You know how some people do. You know what I'm saying. And so we have to be humble and careful, honorable toward the gifts. You know, now that's the gifts of the Holy Ghost. They operate through everybody as the Spirit wills, not as we wills. Amen. But there are people who are, are, I would say, um, skilled and have worked out a pathway into the spirit of God so they can get you know secrets revealed but that's not 
reliable that they're going to get that all the time. You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't know anybody that takes it for granted uh, and tells you if you call, I have a word for you without fail. You know, God sometimes does not want people to know. And he doesn't want them. There are a lot of things where the, so the spirit, the gifts of those nine gifts of the spirit, word of wisdom, knowledge, uh, uh, discerning of spirits, the vocal ones are tongues, interpretation and prophecy. And the power gifts are the gift of faith, healing and miracles, working of miracles. And that's the one that will show everybody whether they trust God because many people are not bold enough to get up and work something. Because they are ashamed of being, of it not working. So you really have to lose yourself in God and really want somebody to be better and know that you're the one that God's brought that person to and that you are the one that God is depending on to obey him to help them. So it gets to be so much not about you, but so much about people. You know, I like the working of miracles gift because you can see people come in on a, a crutch and go out walking without assistance. A lot of that kind of stuff. It's very dramatic when it happens, but it depends on so much. There's so many variables in that. And if I'm concerned about how I look, which y'all know I'm not, so you know, what I'm <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't have ate that. Whatever I had this morning, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. We lose that to gain Christ. You got me? You know, not that I'm a bum or anything. (laughs) But you have to lose yourself. You can't be, you can't have a reputation. You can't have an entourage. You can't have a following. You can't have, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you just, you're a handmaiden of the Lord. I remember somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody wanted to uh, tell me, well, you're not just a handmaid. I said, wait a minute. Do you know that, that there's a whole religion of people that pray to the handmaiden of the Lord? Hail Mary, full of grace. That's a pretty high calling if you, it competes with, you understand what I'm saying? There's no just callings in God's kingdom at all. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, people don't know what they're talking about. So we move on. I digress. So, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? They just don't, they don't know you. You know, and to me, if somebody's going to prophesy to me and reveal to me what's in my heart, they got to at least know my heart. See, that's not my heart at all to be somebody. I lost that a long time ago. (laughs) I lost that before I got saved. So I didn't have nothing to really give up when I did get saved. It was all gain after that. So anyway, but God, that that's one aspect of gifting. That's the one you're least responsible for. All you got to do is be in, a, be in a position desiring to help somebody. And the gifts of the Holy Ghost will operate. So, and they're free. They're totally free. You don't have to study up on them. You don't have to fast up on them. You don't have to do nothing up on them. Sneak up on them. Nothing. Just, you know, be in the place of, of, of sacrificing who you are to the good of God's kingdom. 
Amen. So every gift requires a sacrifice. In Matthew 5, I thought I'd show you a scripture where the two of them are tied together. In verse 24, it says here, uh, verse 21, you've heard it said that it was uh, said by them of old time, you shall not kill. Whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whosoever is angry at his brother. You don't have to lay a finger on anybody. Without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his uh, brother, Racha, which means you fool, shall be in danger of the council. Now why is that, or thou fool, you should be in danger of hellfire? Why is God so funny about that word? You ever call somebody a fool? You notice how much power is behind it when you say it? It's forceful. It still has power on it. It really was a, a, a curse pronounced on people that would carry for many generations. If you had somebody in the family, like you know, Uncle Tyrone, Bebe Nim, that do, don't do nothing but drink and smoke weed and, and never work and always live in an auntie's attic or somebody's basement or something like that. And, and those people would be in a family would be condemned to that way of life and all of their offspring for many generations because that was how people were weeded out for success or not success. And so that word still has power on it and it should not be used. Don't you ever call anybody a fool. You understand me? That's you are not God. You don't judge people and you don't condemn them to a life of uselessness. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember your brother has something against you, not you have something against them, but they have something against you. You mean if they don't like me, I got to go to them? Well, just keep reading. Uh-huh. Leave your gift at the altar. In other words, God is saying, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. I don't even consider who's right and who's wrong. I don't consider any of that. Just drop it right there at the altar. Go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Amen. So what, what the Lord is saying here is that there is a degree of sacrifice that is required before your gift is acceptable. Did y'all see that? Y'all just telling me that or you really see that? See, there, there's, see, like we'll say, well, Jesus made the sacrifice. He gave his blood. So I have access to the throne. Yeah, but where's yours? He gave his, but where's yours? Well, I'm giving my offering. No, there's there's a sacrifice required. And that is that you slaughter your flesh. You don't come to God in pride knowing that your brother has something against you and you don't want to make it right. See, you don't let people, you know, even if you think that there's something that's holding things back, there's a, 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 a rift there, there's a lack of closeness where there used to be fellowship and closeness you don't let that continue amen you don't if you call your we're we have a ministry of reconciliation and we let people dislike us misunderstand us and with most people it's a misunderstanding 
It's something they heard and didn't hear it right that came out of your mouth, or you might have thought you were joking and they didn't think it was funny. How many people are guilty of that? You got me? And so it is so easy to have poor fellowship with one another thinking that it doesn't matter to God. But I'm here to tell you, if you read this, it matters to God. Think how rich we could be giving offerings if we obey this rule first. <laughs> you ever think about that? I mean, it is something to think about. More than that, it's something to obey. Now, I don't mean go to somebody and start accusing them and getting a more misunderstanding. But you get along with God and, and tell God, you know, God, I didn't do that right. I, I let that person think that I was angry at them and I didn't go to them and tell them. You understand what I'm saying? Happens all the time. People misread, misunderstand. They're in a poor mood and don't want to admit it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's possible to walk in offense when it's not even necessary. So it's best to get it straightened out. Amen. Go to them and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I I was short with you and I, I shouldn't have done that. You know, and you don't even have to offer an excuse. Don't offer an excuse. Just tell them you shouldn't have done it and keep moving. Because pretty soon you'll wind up telling them what they did wrong. Just don't make a long conversation. (laughs) Get it done. Go back. Give your gift and keep it moving. And so we have to respect these these laws. But that sacrifice is your humility. Amen. That's a sacrifice. Your sacrifice is, is not exalting yourself. Not being better than anybody, not being above reproach, not being uh, um, the kind of person that doesn't like to humble themselves. So your sacrifice is really your humility in honoring God as being the one who is in charge of your life and keeping it like that. In the Old Testament, sacrifices and gifts were pretty synonymous. Amen. You, you went and made your sacrifice to atone for your sin. And then your offering was accepted. Amen. And so with Jesus, his sacrifice gets us into the throne room. But when you get in there, what do you do? You have to honor that blood. And if you know somebody's got something against you or you got some you at odds with somebody, you've been in strife with somebody, you've got to go and make it right. Amen. Just tell God, you know what, God, I'm not going to come in here with my list of, of needs and all that kind of stuff, knowing that. I'm mad at my kids. They're mad at me, my husband, my dog. Everybody's upset with everybody. We got to go get this reconciled and make this right. In family situations, people are the most careless with family members, I would say, because we don't say, you know what? I've been assuming that you forgave me, but I can't do that. God doesn't accept that from me. So I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry. I bet you quit making so many mistakes. When we start correcting ourselves and doing what God tells us to do, we quit flipping off so fast. huh? We learn how to be more self-governing because we don't really like the feeling of having to go somebody. Your flesh doesn't like it. Your spirit man is very happy that he can get out of jail now. And start running your life again like you did in the good old days when we used to have the free access to God's throne room, et cetera, et cetera. 
So your gift and your offering and your sacrifice are tied in together. They're synonymous. Don't forget that there is a slaughtering of your flesh that is necessary for you to have right access to God's throne room. You know, many people will, uh, I, I remember talking to somebody that uh, told me that God told them to divorce their husband. I said, well, God wouldn't tell you that because he hates divorce. And, you know, they, oh, they tore into me, you know. How can you say that? You don't know what I go. I said, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it. I said, the reason you make a vow before God is that he expects you to go to him for help when you have trouble in your marriage. I said, now, if you're getting a divorce, own it. But don't push it off on God. Well, suppose, then you go through all the suppose, suppose this and suppose that, suppose this, suppose that. Now, you know there's a divorce devil because they keep saying the same things in every situation. Well, suppose he beaten you. I said, listen, if somebody's hitting you, you don't need anybody to tell you to run or fight back. I don't know how you have to pull your gun. What? You really need me to tell you what to do? If you feel like somebody's, you know, beating you or your life is threatened or whatever you feel. Some of these people fight, make up, and happily ever after. And they get a, remember that, uh, who was that football player, Cole cocked his girlfriend in the elevator and they caught it on tape? And all these people are telling her, you have a right to them. Why would you, you're oppressive? She said, y'all get out of our business. She said, it's my marriage and my family. Leave us alone. Now, she's sleeping with a gun under her pillow. That's her business. I mean, seriously. To some people, that's love. Well, it's a seed. Let me put it. It's a starting point. It's a start. Don't mess with our starter. As far as I know, they're still together. You can't judge people on things like this. You have to obey God's word. You understand what I'm saying? So after a while, I just quit arguing with people about things like that. I let them say what they're going to say, but I just keep giving them the word of God. You know, they want to give you uh, uh, where Jesus told her, except for fornication. You know, I said, well, what did read further? What did he said? Moses told you you could do that. Is Moses God all of a sudden? We, I think we have a better covenant now based on better promises, no? Just saying, okay. See, it can't tell me nothing. Cause I had a bad marriage and God reconciled it. So they, they barking up the wrong tree. Um, both for the word and for experience, so. The wrong tree. Huh? My husband wanted a divorce. I had a nervous breakdown. So the Lord repaired my mind. And so after a few years of having my mind restored, my mind repaired, and I knew I was called to the ministry, God told me, he said, you know, when thing, you commit things to my hand, nobody can take them out. Amen. He said, so you commit your marriage into my hand, amen, and nobody can take it out. 
And for years I would say, I don't even know why I'm still married. Why am I still here? Uh, see, I'm not one of them TV preachers that tells you, my wife is wonderful, my husband's wonderful, all my kids are wonderful, life is wonderful, and we're rich and we got this and we got this. That don't happen where I live. Where I live, uh-huh. So then I got to the point, I was wondering, I said, hmm, maybe I should try throwing him out. See, so a little retaliation, and I used to <laughs> blame it on the Cherokee blood in the family. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get you scalp in the morning. Don't you go to sleep, I key you. <laughs> Middle of the night, I stab you, I cut you. And so God delivered me from that. See, you go through stages to reconciliation, folks. You don't just all of a sudden smile and everything's wonderful. It may be not wonderful for a season, for a long season. Then you realize what God's up to. And he wants him saved like you're saved. So then that begins to be your work. You got me? You finally see the picture. Not about getting what you want, when you want. Even any self-respecting woman would keep trying. I don't care if they don't give it to you after many years. It's just a matter of self-respect. It's principle. Amen. My name is Guinea. Huh? That's my first name. <laughs> Guinea Williams. <laughs> I gotta find my spot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, you know, power to the people. All us sisters. I would say queens, but they're. I don't live like they live. (laughs) That king and queen stuff, that ain't where I live. I lived in the do-rag crowd. Don't put your good wig on that day. Just put your do-rag on your head. Because it's going to be war in the house till we get this settled. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right. So in the Old Testament, sacrifices and gifts are synonymous, and they still are. Anybody who has a heart for God should not mind giving. Amen. Should not mind giving. And that includes giving whatever it is that God tells you to give. Amen. Oftentimes the gifts that we give offer to the Lord result from vows that we have made. Amen. You pledge something to God, even if, say, it's a tithe or an offering or if you don't have the faith to give what you you feel like you should give. You just vow something, a certain amount to God and say, God, I'm going to do this and increase my faith so that I can do better. You know, that kind of stuff. There's something in your heart that you purpose to do in God. And so that vow, fulfilling that vow becomes your sacrifice. And trust me, it's going to hurt at some point to do it because something's going to come up where you feel you can't and then you feel you must 
And if you trust God, you'll do what you must in order to fulfill your word to him. And so we find that sacrifices are kind of common in our life with God. You know, sacrifices to keep our word to him, to keep the vow to him, to keep everything the way it's supposed to be. Uh, there's there's something that will always conflict, amen, with the easy way. And so that that conflict comes in when there's something that you've told God you're going to do or you purpose in your heart that you desire to do uh, because you you know it'll please him. Amen. So the vows that we make, we make with a clear conscience, a pure heart out of uh, the abundance of our heart so that because we want to please God in some way. So we honor God by offering whatever gifts, talents and abilities we have to him though that includes known and unknown so that there may come a day when god reveals something that's on the inside of you that you didn't know existed well he wants that too amen and so there may be like uh, people who are are uh, good singers have this conflict all the time are good musicians because secular gifts, there are certain gifts that are good in the secular world and in, in God's kingdom. And so they'll come into conflict with who owns that gift, who has control over it, what that gift does, whether it makes money or not. That's a big issue because everybody wants to work full time in what they enjoy. Singers want to have uh, record contracts, multi-million dollar contracts, et cetera, et cetera. And so the ones who make it find that sacrifice is kind of common nature for them. Amen. But when we come into the kingdom, for some reason, kingdom people think that God wouldn't require certain things from them in order to perfect that gift or in order to mature that gift. And that's where the real conflict comes in, is how much are you willing to let go of so that God can let your gift make room for you the way he says it's going to make room for you. Most of us don't really know what that phrase really means. But what that really does mean is that your gift, God can elevate your gift to a place of prominence so that when people think about you, they think gift at the same time. You got me? Like Aretha Franklin. Nobody would doubt that she would sing opera. When she got up there and started going, I said, huh? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, that's a gift that's totally given over. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you can doubt how sincere a Christian she was or how she lived her life or You ever sin? Okay, so that ends that conversation, right? You don't know how God helps individual people. You don't know the kind of relationship they might have. You don't know that they might draw from an inner motivation to to cause that gift to excel. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't say it will make room for you only if you sing in the church. You understand what I'm saying? He said it will make room for you. So God's not so small minded that he won't allow the world to benefit from having ministry from your gift as well. You got me. And so when we think about gifts, we think about abilities. uh, But in order for that gift to excel, 
there must be sacrifice. Now, with people who who sing or something like that, they have to practice. And that's where the big difference will come in is how much time do you devote to going over the same notes over and over and over again so that you can perfect that sound so that when it comes back to you, you're at least 90% satisfied with it. Now, I'm, I'm of the mind that most people are never 100% satisfied with what their gift can produce. They always feel like there's more to it. There's more that it can do. There's a, a greater range or something like that. I remember somebody was interviewing Shirley Caesar. And uh, uh, one of her helpers that was uh, with her in the interview, uh, she said, yeah, she was saying uh, Aretha did this. And she said, oh, we got to do that. And the person, the interviewer said, um, are you friends with Aretha Frank? She said, oh, no, you took it the wrong way. She said, when I hear that God is using someone in a certain way, I know I have I set my my sights higher now. Is something else I can accomplish. It encourages me and it stimulates me. And see, people don't really understand that unless you're in that mindset. See, it sounds, it sounds like a competition and jealousy to us. But for her, this woman just set the bar higher for her to be able, amen, to attain to you. Amen. Amen. And so we should never be afraid of who else God is using. With with same or similar gift, we should be encouraged that that here it is. It's humanly possible now to do this. Runners do it all the time. Athletes do it all the time. They're all looking to break records. Why? It's not so much. Think of what it would cost them to break a record. So it couldn't be about the reputation necessarily. But it's like. Can I push my body to, can I get my body to uh, uh, do the same thing? Can I get to that level where mine will respond in the same way as this other individual is responding? And so we have a lot to understand from just the secular world as far as giftings is concerned. Now, the uh, in, in the New Testament, your sacrifice is your will, your plans. In other words, what sacrifice you make for God to develop your gift will take everything. It will take everything. Your sacrifice always starts with the blood atonement of Christ. So you have to accept Christ. He begins to purify our hearts. And when God sees the blood, he accepts our gift and he begins to develop it. Now, you must accept by faith that God heard your your prayer and he receives your gift and you are in development mode. Amen. You are in development mode. A gift must be refined. In other words, if you're a singer, uh, one of the one of the challenges would be the range that your voice can get to, and the other is the control of it. Amen. Because the human voice is something sometimes that's it's it's motivated by so many different things: emotion, 
sometimes it's it's discipline and training, but there are so many things that can affect it. Your health can affect it, all of those things. And so that success depends on that person understanding their gift and understanding their calling to the degree that they can cooperate with God as he develops the gift. Gifts cannot be pushed. If God wants to hold back on it for a season, he can hold back on it for a season. Many times he's trying to get us to totally let go of control so that he can bring what he wants to bring out of it. And he can he can allow that gift to do what he wants it to do. God must have control of your gift, we said, in order to allow it to make room for you. A gift can destroy a person who tries to manage it himself. Amen. Now, if you look at the entertainment industry, how many people do you see divorces? How many people do you see on drugs? How many people do you see? And it's because they are trying to manage the gift themselves. So we have ample evidence, even in the uh, um, in any kind of world you go in. Uh, like, for instance, now that we've had these cooking shows on television, I've kind of noticed a pattern with these chefs. Many of them cannot stay married. Yeah, when the gift starts to dominate, and they have to be at the restaurant 24 hours a day, seven days a week almost. They just live there. How many wives are going to sit at home and believe you really just cooking somewhere? You understand what I'm saying? So you see divorce and bad relationships kind of common. And then the more driven they are, the more common you see their personal life is kind of a wreck. Um, I mean, the more famous they are the more common it is to see that they can't have hold a personal life together very well. And and it's because the gift is there, but the management is not right. See, the management is not right. And so in in God is not um uh uh what we call a rocket rocket gift God. Like, you don't just get born again and find out you got a gift and you shoot up to. Because many times people that that happens to, they go up and something catches them and pull them back down and they kind of fizzle and bomb out. Joshua Harris, the guy who wrote the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which we have that book in our library now. It's an excellent book. It's excellent because it tells the truth about quote unquote Christian dating and it talks about how to stay celibate until you get to the altar if you're serious about doing that. Over the years, he let criticism talk him into renouncing that. He said he doesn't believe that anymore. He was in error, left his wife, his children's ministry. Rocket. See, he had a good book. Some people found him who could promote the book and made it a nationwide bestseller, probably ahead of what got his maturity in God. Because once God gives you something, 
You're an idiot if you take it back. I don't care who doesn't like it, who criticizes it. And how can you live a life as a Christian and not understand persecution is going to come to you and this is part of it. So here he probably has no governing oversight by by elders who are wiser than he, who can go to and help him out. Probably sees everybody as his enemy because he's famous and popular. You know the story the devil tells people. And so it will cause you, look at Carlton Pearson. He he was able to attract, he was an African-American pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with an almost all-white congregation. How did he pull that off? And all the white churches are praying for an integrated church and get a drizzle of black people in here and there. And he got all kinds of people falling in there. They love each other. They happy. They love Carlton. They love everything. And then one day he starts preaching some error in his message. High and lifted up. Anybody ever known him, they they would say he's haughty. You know, I mean, you all you have to do is listen to him speak for a little bit, and you can, you know what I'm saying. Pure in heart will see God, folks. A hearty, haughty spirit he will not abide. But he could sing, boy, you can still hear him on them Azusa. He had a, a movement going of conferences that were highly anointed. Because he knew all the right, he knew them Kojic people, man. Them clock sister type people. They, <laughs> they find a devil in the atmosphere. They get on that piano and, and by the time they got finished working that for 10 minutes, everybody was free. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, extremely sensitive musicians. I mean, for musicians to get to that level, you understand what I'm saying? Somebody there said, well, their mother was a worship leader. And she made all them girls sit up there and she'd pop them in the head. This is Clydell telling me this. This Clydell say, oh, Maddie, Maddie would get them girls at that piano and pop them in the head and make them keep, don't go there, go there. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, they learned how to work with the anointing. That's all I'm saying. It was great investment placed in them. And they still know how to do it. Amen. And so what we have to understand, though, is that God has a way. For your gift not to destroy you. It's either you try to manage it yourself or you give it to God. If you give it to God, you're going to have to have faith that wherever your gift is taking you, you're going the right direction. And see, that is very hard for people sometimes when you look around you and you see everybody else has this, 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 and this. And I'm still... uh Chasing donkeys, as they say. Uh Amen. The story of many ministers use this analogy where Saul's father sent him to find some donkeys. And he was searching for them and searching for them and searching for them. And really didn't find them himself, but while he was searching, he came upon a prophet of God. And then he found his gift. While he was doing something totally unrelated to being king of Israel. Amen. And so this is the way it is. You have to trust God with the development of your gift. 
You have to trust that if he's called you to do something, you will do it. You will get there. If you don't get there, uh, you know, it's it's something that you just have to deal with God on. Maybe you were mistaken what it would look like. Maybe you're there and you don't know it. Amen. Sometimes people are where they are supposed to be and they think they haven't arrived yet. Sure. You know, you have to understand that God knows what he's doing. His kingdom is a worldwide kingdom. He has people, you were born at the right time you were born so that your gift would bless humanity. But it's up to God to get your gift developed and get you where you're supposed to go to deposit the blessing. All that is on him. He he tells some people, they'll see pictures of people say, well, I saw a picture of a sea of people out there and I was preaching to them. Well, not everybody sees that. You understand? You can't embrace that as something that God is speaking to you when it was for that sister right there. You understand what I'm saying? And hopefully she'll pray and get herself to the place and let God develop her to the point where that happens for her. But if you don't see that for you, don't feel that you're not significant to God because that's not where you're at. You understand what I'm saying? God touches people through people. He knows if you're, if your washer breaks down, and you have to go to the laundromat, he knows that there's a lady there that needs prayer. How's he going to get somebody there to pray for her? It's awful quiet in here. See, all your mishaps ain't just the devil. I mean, if it is the devil, you still got a God that's bigger than he is that has plans for your life and for somebody else at the same time. He's trying to get us to reach people. But, you know, when we when we come to church, it's the freeway and and then the off ramp and then right in front of here. And, you know, you don't pass many people on the street. That's why there's so many hurting people on the streets of major cities. Because they've been hurting behind closed doors and now God's brought them out to the open. He says, y'all got to do something to help these people. You understand? It cannot be hidden anymore. Those people have been hurting for a long time. Well, see, it's the fact that the government won't do. No, you're the government. Huh? You're the government. You're God's government. In fact, we're the only ones that have something that can really help people. Huh? But we're so busy zipping past and zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom, never stop. And we don't pray that God would put us in the midst of people often enough. You know, I mean, it's it's just a given because if we did, we'd do more of it. You know, church comes out on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Maybe at the beginning of the school year to give away some, you know, school supplies and all that. But we're not there the rest of the time. And people don't come to church. 
You understand what I'm saying? Unless they're coming for entertainment. Amen. And when you let God control your services, you're not there to entertain people. You got me? You're, you're there to, to minister the word of God and to help people. And so it, 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 it's a challenge sometimes. But you've got to understand that if your gift is given over to the Lord, that he's working on it all the time. Amen? Amen. So you don't want your gift to destroy you. Amen? There are many Christians whose gifts destroy them. They get prominent and then they get comfortable they get exalted. It's a common thing. They forget God when he starts to bless them. Amen. Be thankful if you have periods of obscurity <laughs> with your periods of wonderfulness. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you go back into your little shell and you just are there. And I think that's a good thing. That's an indication often that God is managing your gift for you. So he's not letting it get out of men. Amen. So we have to return the gift to the giver. Amen. If without God, we don't really know our gift's destiny or its ability. So everybody's gift has a destiny. It has an ability. And it has a purpose, among other things. And God wants to uh, make sure that you your gift performs in all arenas that he's called it to. Your gifts do have a destiny, a purpose, and a power. Even if it's just human power. If it's given over to God, it has his power on it. They were placed in you for a lifetime to do a work on earth. So your gifts are there to last a lifetime. They will be there when, you know, when you're up in age. A lot of times people talk about retiring and all that, but your gift doesn't retire. It's still, in fact, your your gift is probably more valuable the more developed it is. So that comes with age. Amen. The purpose of your gift is for service and not for attention. Even though you will get a certain amount of attention when your gift is displayed by God. Amen. And so the attention part of it comes so that people will know where to come when they need service. Amen. So God will sometimes make your gift stand out and make people know who you are. Um, because they need to know where to come for service and where to tell other people who need similar things. You know, you have a reputation uh, down here on earth. But be careful trying to make your reputation yourself. You know, trying to get, uh, like, you know, a, a good thing to do is is get every empty seat filled. You know, do that first, you know, and ask God to give you a plan. Uh, for getting more people involved instead of looking to, well, we have a worldwide ministry and, you know, everybody does now because of, you know, social media, Facebook and the Internet. So we all got worldwide. Huh? <laughs> it's just true. And so it, it, all of our, I think the reason God does that is to take our bragging rights away from us, you know, in false goals and false 
uh, uh, visions and stuff like that to take the false stuff away from us so we can understand where, where the gift is supposed to be ministered at. Amen. So return the gift to the giver. Amen. It, trying to develop your own gift would be like getting a brand new car and then taking it apart and trying to put it back together again. Well, you have no clue what it's all about. So the best we can do is be led by the Spirit. Do the things you know that that help you spiritually. You know, you read your word, you pray, you do all the things God has called you to do. And then after that, the rest of it is up to God. It's it's good to have a plan in God and to have some goals set for for what your ministry is to do. Uh, my my goal was when I first read the scripture that says publish the word. That has been a goal of mine ever since we've had this ministry. So I made sure I made public everything that we preach. Uh, as much as we can, get it in as many forms as we can, in print, in, in audio and video, um, also, um, uh, you know, small, small, uh, stories and, and, uh, you know, encouraging words and so forth and so on. Wherever I could display those, I, I make it a point to display them. And it becomes a challenge to me, where else can I get the word put? That we don't have it now, you see. So we've had some some books translated into other other languages. Uh, when God says do it more, and then I realize you can get a translator on a a machine now. You know that'll translate things pretty well for you. So instead of paying all these people to do all this stuff now, all we have to do is put it through that and hit a button, and they can see it in their own language. You see what I'm saying? So it's. It takes, and, and you know, when you see other people say, well, my books have been translated into so many, mine too. I just got to find somebody over in the Ukraine that wants to read this book and push the translator and then we got it, you know. And so it takes the, I guess, the bad competition out of things when you don't have to be having all this false competing with other people and all these. Because the devil will throw anything in there to get you to try and grasp control of that gift again. See, if you can manage it better than God, even though you've been doing pretty good so far. Amen. So your gifts have a destiny. They have a purpose. And they have power. They were placed in you from the foundation of the earth. And God knew what time you would be here on the earth. So there's no such thing as being ahead of your time. Amen. If you're here now, your gift is to be developed now. And if you allow God to have full control, it'll be used now in the measure God wants it to be used. I remember we used to, um, I had a friend, she was a minister. And uh, she she was exceptionally good at prayer. And we learned a lot as far as prayer was concerned from her. But I noticed that when we would get around people, she wasn't a very good what I would call minister. And let me let me just explain to you what I mean by that. 
if she were in a setting, say a regular church setting, it was like she was confused. She couldn't, she wasn't very good giving messages, preaching, that kind of stuff. There was like, but I knew she was called to ministry. And so one day I was asking God about it. I said, you know, I really want to pray for her. I said, cause I don't know what happens to her. It's like she's, one person over here when we're praying and things like that and she's totally different over there he said i haven't called her gift to that place see and that taught me something about ministry because i've heard many preachers say oh i consider uh every invitation an open door and that's not true at all you got me it's not true at all And so God told me, he gave me a word for her one time when we were praying. And he was saying, he said, I have called you to a midnight hour ministry. He said, you will meet people in the midnight hour of their lives and you will be able to share your testimony and lead many to me. That was her ministry. She had already asked him to give her all the souls in the building where she lived, where mostly elderly people. She was older herself. And so it all fit perfectly. But when she would call herself a minister and try to get involved in the local church, it was always a mess. Married people would be, the wife would be bossing the husband around and the, you know what I'm saying. Just a mess. She always seemed to gravitate to ministers who seemed to me to be weak. You understand what I'm saying? So there's something, I say that, I'm not trying to put her down. She's in home with the Lord now. You understand what I'm saying? But all I'm saying is be careful that you don't try to take control over. Stay submitted to God. Because the enemy is full of devices to get us to think that we're free to go and do and I can be like so-and-so and I can be like so-and-so. and I, There's only one of them and thank God. You understand what I'm saying? Because we don't need more than one of most people. But we need you to be you. And we need you to go where God tells you to go. We need you to do uh, and obey God in the development of your gift so that when he calls you to sacrifice, then you know what you're sacrificing for. And it feels right to you. Because if you think you're sacrificing so you can be the next whoever, you'll never make the cut. Because after a while, if it's not really in your heart to do that, you won't have the motivation on the inside to follow through on what it costs to get there. And see, what you think when you, what you think you're doing, when you think you're paying the price, won't be the price at all. And you'll wind up going boom, 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 boom. And have to start all over again paying the price. Brother Hagen had that experience. He pastored for many years and he was called to be a teacher. And when God told him about Rhema, he said, you're about to enter the first phase of your ministry. And Brother Hagen said, huh, what? Who are you talking to? And he said, God, you know, I've been pastoring for his I didn't tell you to do that. Hmm? Now, why would God 
Use him anyway. Well, because people have needs. There are some parents that aren't very good parents. But God gives them kids anyway. He got confidence that he can help you. You understand what I'm saying? You want them. So he lets you have them. So he got to help you. He's got to help the good parents too. Huh? (laughs) That's why he helps ministers. Whether they're in their call or not. People like your preaching. They like your teaching. They like you. You got a building. God helps you. But at some point, that permission that he's given you to do that is going to have to give way to your real call. Or else it won't be fulfilled. So God's going to have to fulfill that. But in the meantime, he'll help you there. He'll let you be trained there. And then he'll move you over into what you're really called to do. Amen. People say, well, I'm an apostle. I said, oh, okay. I don't even touch that one. You know what I'm saying? Because people don't know what they're talking about. Everybody's giving everybody a word about this, that, and the other and all of that. And and they want it to be so. Because it sounds impressive to human flesh. What you want to be so is what gives you a witness in your spirit. See, if it doesn't give you a witness in your spirit, it's not so. Amen? And you can try and you can say you're this and put as many titles on yourself as you want to. But it won't make it happen. Amen? It won't make it happen. Amen. So we return the gift to the giver so that it can be developed and refined. You don't want to be a rough cut all your life. Amen? And people can't mature you faster than what God has for you. Amen. Now you're going to see a lot of enigma type or things that confound you, don't make sense or whatever, whatever. You know, people will say things like, well, um, if you're a minister, oh, who's your covering? What seminary did you go to? Kanye? Well, he didn't call himself a minister. He just said he having Sunday service. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But in the meantime, he's got all these people in orange jumpsuits crying, lifting their hands to heaven. You know, whether they've, they've been in a spirit-filled church or a Baptist church or whatever kind of church, everybody worshiping God up in there, weeping before God. and. <laughs> well, I don't know if if he's it's not for you to know. Did he come did you go to his service? Did God tell you to go? See, it's for people who are called to receive from that. It's not for everybody. You if if you're saved already, you should be out preaching to people and leading them to Christ. You don't need to stop and figure out what he's doing, man, or have a comment about it. So God is about doing what he wants. And see, people say, well, what church does he go to? And did he go to New Beginners class yet? And did he pray in tongues? Did he baptize in the Holy Spirit? 
This is the RS resume, religious spirit resume. (laughs) How's his religious spirit resume? But he gives an interesting testimony. He's read enough of the Bible to know that he was like Nebuchadnezzar. He said, and I thought I was everything. He said, like Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible, he said, he lost his mind for seven years and lived out with the animals. He said, that was me. He said, I was crazy. And y'all let me make all that money. (laughs) He didn't say that part. But you understand what I'm saying? So who are you to judge anything? I know what I've been through. I know what God told me about it. And I know who changed my life. And I just feel like God wants me to tell people about it. That's all. Just like y'all do. Amen. You don't stop people from sharing their testimony. So the purpose of our gift is for service, not attention. Amen. Even though your gift will make room for you. And it will have you stand before important people. Amen. But remember, they're just people, okay? (laughs) Gifts are given, number one, to help humanity. For service, to help humanity. Your gifts are given to solve problems. Your gifts are given to bring comfort and peace. Your gifts improve the quality of other people's lives. I was thinking about that. I think about people who like to decorate things. A decorator sometimes get made fun of and, oh, go get a real job. You know what I'm saying? Well, if they didn't do this, your house would look ugly. I mean, everybody's look, house look ugly just like yours. You know, some people don't know how to match colors. They don't know how. I mean, everybody's gift is necessary. I would like to have professional decoration. You understand what, or be able to, to see myself enjoying something like that. Some people have a better eye to enjoy nice things or, or nicely decorated things. But that gift is for everybody. There was who was that guy? That, remember the Lord of the Dance guy? Michael was a flattery, one of your people's, ours people, power to the people. But uh, anyway, he said that he would daydream about dance all the time. He would be in school. He said teachers would slap him on his head. What are you? What are you daydreaming about? And one day he got bold enough to tell one of them. And, and they laughed at him, made him sit in the corner. Ah, you'll never make anything of yourself. Look at you. This, that, and the other. And he still has, he said, he kept the first pair of tap shoes he ever had. Totally worn out. No soles on the bottom of them. Just a little bit of a heel. That's all he could afford. And he danced on them until he couldn't dance any, anymore. But when he did, Develop and get to the point where the gift was recognized. It changed the world. Totally changed the world. Ireland had a pretty bad reputation with their uh, 
infighting, uh, Protestants and Catholics, and they needed to be lifted up. That's what I think. All, all groups of people need to be lifted up from a bad reputation. And so that dance began to uh, draw crowds, elevate people. It began to give that nation uh, something to be proud of, you know, instead of people saying, oh, you throw bombs over there, you quit fighting over there and killing up each other, all that kind of stuff. It was for that time. That's all I can tell you is that all that he went through, his gift was for that time to bring a reconciliation among those people, to elevate them in the eyes of other individuals. All of that is very necessary for people to feel good about themselves. And that's what gifts do. They bring comfort. They bring peace. They bring peace of mind. They give people a sense of importance because we are important. We're important to God. We should be important to one another. So never downplay a gift. You'll never think it's not, there's no place for it. Because if God gave it to you, there's a place for it. Sometimes gifts will, will come and go. They'll be more prominent at certain ages and then they'll go dormant for a season and then they'll get prominent again. Um, uh, I was thinking about uh, Bianca when she was little. She would wrap Jasmine up in cloth and get a pair of scissors and make her a dress. You know what I'm saying? Never seen it on that fashion before. But there was something in her that says, I can do this and I want to do this. And it, it was a joy to her and it was fun to her. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, you know, they get in school and they have to focus on other things and so forth. But think if we could just let them do that all day long, what might happen. You understand what I'm saying? You know, the kids only have so many hours a day and so much attention. But, you know, it'll probably come back in, at some point in her life, you know, if it's something God wants to use. So we have many gifts. We have dormant gifts. We have prominent gifts. Sometimes your gifts may may come for a season and go away. I used to think, you know, if God got a real singer that was a prophet, we I could get rid of singing the song of the Lord. But it doesn't happen like that. It's not after what I want to do. It's what God wants to do. Amen. The things that I I I you know enjoy doing to a degree, there are a number of people who can do those things. You understand, like I prophesy, but there's so many people now who do. You understand what I'm saying? So that's one that I can pass off to somebody else. But I'll stand there nervous to this day looking for somebody when, you know, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you just blame it on the boogie. Amen. And you keep it moving. And so it's up to God how he does these things. It's not up to us. Many times we would like for other people to do whatever it is that we're assigned to do sometimes. But God never brings anybody else. So that's yours. That's your responsibility. That's what he's given you to do. And and be thankful for it. Purpose in your heart that you're not going to despise the gift that God has placed in you. Because it's not going to go away. It's going to be a part of you forever. And it's not under your control. 
So learn to see yourself and God sees you. You're valuable. You're, you're everything to him. And, but let him invest that time in you. But understand that you're going to have to make some sacrifices in order for that gift to be developed. And sometimes you're going to have to get to a point where you have to lay it down for a season in order for you not to mess it up. You got me? You you have to understand these things go hand in hand with God uh, developing your gift. So I tell you what, why don't I make a deal with you? I'll finish this tomorrow. We'll stop now and we can get more of it. We'll get the rest of it done, but we'll finish it up tomorrow. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and for giving us amen, understanding. Amen. Amen. We are valuable to you, Lord, and we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing for us. We love you. We honor you. Lord, we lift you up because you're worthy to be praised and adored. Thank you, Jesus. Bibi, why don't you and Jasmine come up here? I keep seeing your little faces. And I mean little faces and little four or five-year-old faces. Oops, it's in here. I know. Come on up. I just think God has something for you, ladies. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Both of them. All right. That sounds good. All right. Grab each other's hand a little bit closer. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I just thank you for their partnership, for their partnership in you. Thank you, Lord. That's good. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that they understand each other in a way that few sisters understand one another. And they have peace between themselves, Father. Peace of mind and peace of heart that they know how to undertake for one another, support and encourage one another when it's needed. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Father, even for business partnership between them, that there will be a time and a season where a gift will come forth and the other will have to support it. And the gift will come forth even more and the other have to support it. And this gift will come forth and this one will support it, Father. And I thank you. For a partnership better than a sisterhood, better than blood, Father, because it's forged with your purpose and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Oh, sorry. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen.